Scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Let us listen to God's word to us. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Today we are talking about demons and babysitters, starting with babysitters. When I was young and living in Columbia, we had a nanny. And it's a pretty normal practice for missionaries there because it provides a good job to someone without just handing them money. Now, this nanny was my favorite. I loved this woman. Her name was Rosemary. She was the nanny that would go out and pick fruit and make fresh juice for the family. She'd cook all day for us, help clean, help raise the kids. We'd run in after school and she'd hand us a snack. One day... I toddled into the kitchen, and I asked my mother to pour me a cup of coffee. She laughed and asked why in the world I wanted that. I replied that Rosemary had been giving me coffee for a while. (laughs) I was two. She had been giving me coffee for over a year, starting by putting drops in my bottle, then it was little spoonfuls, and then the bottle was half full of coffee and half full of milk. There was nothing malicious here. Rosemary had no idea why you wouldn't drink coffee from the day you were born until the day you died. Frankly, I don't either. 
man didn't grow up with a nanny, but he did have babysitters, and the job is pretty similar. Make sure the kids don't die. No fingers into outlets, no running out of the house. Put them to bed at a decent hour. My own rules for my father was don't burn the house down. A nanny or a babysitter isn't responsible for being a parent. They're a caretaker. They're an in-between. Once, Brian and his sister were playing out in the backyard with their babysitter, Jake. They had this big backyard, two big hills with the house at the bottom, and a flat area with a basketball hoop at the top of the hill. So Brian and his sister and Jake were playing basketball. Nothing special, but the hoop could be lowered. And Jake, being a teenage boy, decided to lower the hoop and dunk. The hoop rocked forward and it rocked back and smashed a nest of yellow jackets. The three of them took off running down both hills, Jake throwing up the door in front of them and closing it behind them and hiding them in the bedroom. At which point, Jake calls Brian's parents because he's just a babysitter. A babysitter isn't a parent. They're just an in-between. So Brian's parents race back home to find their children with 20 stings and their faithful dog, Dakota, eating the yellow jackets like flying candy. So the parents step in, they kill the rest of the yellow jackets and put ice on the stings. Babysitters are an in-between, but an important one. Because, hey, there's no better way to say this. Sometimes children may inspire you. Sometimes they will knock you off your feet with generosity or courage or inspiration. But generally speaking, kids are just plain dumb. Kids will ask if they can stick their finger in the fire. They will put their fingers in electrical outlets. There's one pair of twins that I knew that racked up a $3,000 bill playing Clash of Clans, a game that you download for free on an iPad, but that you can buy extra things to make it cooler. $3,000 playing this game on their mother's iPad. Money which could have been, well, spent on basically anything else. Babysitters aren't parents, but they protect their kids from catastrophic damage. They provide guardrails for the in-between. Our first reading from Galatians today describes the law of God as a babysitter. It says, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law. But the word imprisoned here is actually the image of catching fish. You throw the net out and fish get stuck in it. This is a good image. Ever seen a playground full of children being watched by teachers? It's sort of like that. The teachers stand around the playground like a net. Don't jump off that. You'll get hurt. Don't pull her hair. Don't punch him, please. You can't swing on that. It's broken. That rock is covered in an unknown substance. So, no, you cannot put it in your mouth. Don't do this. Don't do that. The reason? Doing these things will hurt you. Doing these things will hurt others. So a babysitter or a teacher steps in and scoops up children as they toddle dangerously close to falling down the stairs. Well, life doesn't exactly get simpler as you get older. 
Out on Broad Street here in town, there is a collection of cash advance storefronts, which are under investigation in many states for being predatory loaning. Seems safe. $200 now for $201 in a couple weeks. But it's more complicated. You can fall down those stairs and for the next 10 years try to pay back what started as a tiny loan. Relationships are complicated. When do you tell the truth and when do you tell a little white lie? What are good boundaries? Should you loan money to friends? How much? Under what conditions? Work is complicated. Do you ask for a raise, change careers, settle in, mix it up? Being faithful is complicated, too. Here, for just a second, I need to take a little stand against the idea that faith is just a matter of following your heart. It's not. Faith is a matter of following God's heart, because people's hearts get bad ideas in them. The law is designed to protect us in those moments. The law of God sees the long road for us when we don't want to. And I mean us, because the law of God also looks out for the well-being of all God's people and all God's creation when we'd rather just watch out for ourselves. God's law is made up of guardrails which surround us like a net. And Galatians tells us the guardrails are there until the coming of faith. Now, the Jews at this time in Galatia believed the law applied to everything. I'm serious. Laws and prayers for everything. Prayers for going to bed. Prayers for waking up. Thanking God that you still can. I will quickly acknowledge that this seems a bit excessive. It seems like too much. Oh my goodness, there they are again, praying just about everything. But the law is there until the coming of faith. Children have training wheels on their bike until they don't need them. I remember one particular day when my sister and I were out riding bikes. We were up and down the hills of Columbia, and my sister's training wheels weren't exactly touching the pavement. So she was basically riding her bike, but the training wheels weren't touching the ground. So my dad called her over and he said, you know, you really don't need your training wheels anymore. We'll just, we'll just take them off. You're basically riding it without them anyway. Great, except one problem. My sister is 16 months younger than I am, and I am remarkably competitive. So when I whirled down the hill on my bike that still had training wheels on it, and saw what was taking place in the driveway, I looked at my father and I said, take mine off too. I said, no, no, you see Desiree's training wheels, they weren't touching the ground, she doesn't need them anymore. You're still young, it's okay, you can keep them on. No, sir, take the training wheels off today. That was the day I learned how to ride a bike. Children have training wheels on their bike until they don't need them, or in my case, until they're too proud and competitive and they have to come off. But the reason that I love the law is that the law applies to everything, because everyone has something different that they struggle with. When you're born, there's a law for everything. 
Laws about food to keep you healthy. Laws about studying scripture so you keep learning. Laws about government so you stay respectful but loyal to God above all. Laws about family because family is hard. Laws about everything. Training wheels to keep you from tipping over. Then, as you grow, there are things you cease to struggle with. For some, studying comes natural. You don't need a law about reading your Bible, but you might need a law about being kind to your neighbor. You might still need a law about eating the right food or worshiping God with your emotions and not just your mind. The law stays in place until faith comes, but faith doesn't come all at once. You probably know some people who have been born again and again and again because faith doesn't come all at once. It comes in increments. Christ takes over a part of your life, then another part incrementally. The law stays until faith comes. And these rules are guardrails. They are a net to keep us from places we shouldn't be. Therefore, you're good and from the wisdom of a heavenly perspective. So the law is a babysitter. But sometimes babysitters aren't enough. Like the story I told earlier, when the hornets swarm and begin to sting, you need a parent. Paul says it in the later letter to the Galatians like this. If a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed come through the law. If the law could save you, there wouldn't be a need for Jesus, but the law can't save. It babysits until faith comes. But sometimes babysitters aren't enough. What happens when you've ignored the guardrails and find yourself falling down the stairs? There's a situation you can't handle. It's out of control. Something has been done that can't be undone. A tragedy has occurred that you can't shake from your spirit. It has you like a vice grip, and it won't let go. A sin has lodged so deeply in your heart that trying to get rid of it feels like dying. A sin that fights back when you tell it to leave. Something someone did... You or someone else that fades for a time but keeps coming back, it won't let you be. Our first reading for today was a letter about babysitters, but our second story for today has Jesus and his disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee. We're not told why. Jesus was teaching the crowds of interested people. His disciples were following him around and listening. He was telling people stories and they were listening. Some people were bored. Some people were interested. Some people were pretending to understand what he was talking about, though they had no idea. Some things never change. But in the middle of his teaching, without any explanation or preamble, Jesus tells his disciples to get in a boat because they're leaving. Might that be a note to us? When Jesus says, follow follow. So they're crossing the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, which is surprising because the Gerasenes aren't Jews. Jesus' disciples thought that Jesus was there to save the Jews, to save Israel, and he was. 
But he wasn't there just for Israel. So they left God's chosen people and crossed the sea to the city of outsiders. But they didn't go to the temple or the church there. They walked past them, past the Capitol building. They walked right out of the city. The disciples tagging along as Jesus led them through the solemn gates of a graveyard outside the city, a forgotten place. Jesus stopped everything he was doing, got him and his disciples in a boat, sailed through a storm, and they walked to the outskirts of town. Before we get too comfortable in our pews, let's remember that every once in a while, Jesus leads us to the outskirts of town. And it was there that they found one man. Just one. Jesus had taken him and his disciples across the sea for this one man, a man living in a graveyard, because the law hadn't been enough for him. Once upon a time, this man had lived in the town. Once upon a time, he had family and friends. He had job. He had hope. Then the demons came. Whatever you believe about demons, you and I can agree that there are things that creep into your life. They grab a hold of you and refuse to let go. They cause you to do things. They will choke the life out of you day by day until you feel like you're living in a graveyard surrounded by things that are dead and dying. Demons are not about life. They thrive in the graveyard. They are attracted to places that are unstable, to places of catastrophe, to places where God isn't present. Sometimes we choose them because they look better than the alternative, better this than that. It might be killing me, but at least dying feels better. Sometimes it was someone else's choice. Someone did something to you or someone you love, and now you live with that every day. Someone did something, and the demon just invited themselves in to stay. Sometimes we invite them in because they have power, power to protect us, to feed us, to make us feel better. So we think this man had 2,000 demons. 2,000 voices in his head muttering how he was worthless and trash. 2,000 demons offering to give him things. 2,000 demons keeping him company surrounded by tombs. 2,000 demons driving him crazy. And when he went crazy, the people he lived with disowned him. They drove him out of town and bound him hand and foot with chains. They tried to lock him out. They threw him into the graveyard. Maybe they hoped he would die. Maybe they were tired of dealing with him. Maybe he had been violent or disruptive or unpleasant, so they chained him outside the city limits. What's interesting in this story is that after he breaks the chains, he stays in the graveyard. He doesn't go back. 
He was convinced that he deserved to die, or maybe he wanted to. These demons in his life, they had killed his spirit. The people who had abandoned him to the graveyard, people who should have helped him, they killed his hope. Now Luke does something weird, which means we need to pay attention. He tells us what the man with the demon says before he tells us why. The man says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torture me. Then Luke says, because Jesus had commanded the demon to come out of the man. The man said, don't torment me because Jesus commanded that the demon come out. Do you know why? Casting out demons is painful business. Pride gives us a sense of power. If you let it go, you have to admit you're not as important as you thought. Drugs, they give you an escape. If you let them go, you have to deal with the world as it is. Bitterness lets you paint all your problems as someone else's fault. If you let it go, you have to take responsibility for your future. Demons keep you company when you're alone. They give you a sense of worth when the world won't. They give you power when you're weak. But instead of the law being your babysitter, the demons march on in and take that role. They give and they give and they give. But they kill you. There's only one who can give true love, worth, power, and life, and that is Jesus. Do you have a demon in your life? Do you have something that has taken control and is killing you? Do you have something you feel like you need, but it hollows you out and leaves you half alive? Does it leave you lashing out at the people you care for until you drive them away? Are you living in a graveyard? If you are, the next line of this story is for you. Jesus speaks not to the man, but to the demons inside of him and says, Come out! Come out! Jesus says the same thing to us. If you have demons haunting your past, if you have memories that plague your nights, if you have sins that follow you around, accusing you, if you are living in a graveyard, God is here and he says, come out. There is a perfect law in scripture meant to protect us from demons. God has given it to us to keep us from being chained up in a graveyard haunted by 2,000 demons. Trust the guardrails. Pray. Read scripture. Go to church. Follow the law on being a good spouse, a good parent, a good child. Therefore, you're good. But if you're already surrounded by tombs, know this. God is coming for you. He's coming for you. A final note. This isn't often mentioned when people talk about this story, but Jesus casts out these demons and they possess a large herd of pigs. The pigs rush down a steep bank and drown in a lake. 
Casting out demons of any kind is painful. Painful for the one with the demons, but also painful for the community they live in. The community in this story, they see the cost of this salvation, 2,000 pigs sent to drown. And when they see that, they beg Jesus to live. Please go. Whatever other demons haunt this town, they'd rather keep them than pay the cost of having them cast out. Brian's parents were on vacation in Europe, enjoying all of the sights. While they were there, they thought it might be important to see a concentration camp. So they were driving through the countryside, music blasting in the car, talking and laughing, enjoying time together. And very slowly, they began to feel something. The car got quiet. The world seemed less colorful, less bright. They felt it coming before they saw a sign, miles before they saw a sign for Dachau. They felt what had been there. What had happened there had left an impression that you could feel in your bones. What happened in those camps, the concentration camps of the Holocaust, should never have happened. There were guardrails in God's law that should never have let it happen. Laws to love your neighbor as yourself. Laws to respect one another. Laws to follow God above all. The guardrails were ignored. And with the guardrails broken, the demons leapt at the invitation and came marching in. Not one or two, but millions. And you can feel it still. It can be tough to find a babysitter that you trust. But God trusts the law to watch over us. His net is supposed to cover us all. But we'd rather cast out people than cast out demons. The community in this story saw a man with 2,000 demons. But what they really saw was a man that was too much. So instead of casting out a demon, they cast out a man. In response, Jesus gathered 12 men, jumped on a boat, sailed through a storm, walked past the temple and past the city limits for one man to cast out 2,000 demons and bring an outcast home. Because the law said so. Love your neighbor as yourself. Outcasts shouldn't be outcasts, because that implies that we are casting them out. Jesus, the law of God in the flesh, doesn't believe in casting men out. He believes in casting out demons. Here, God's law tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, which means we are here for the long haul. We don't just bring fried chicken to the funeral and forget about the family, because grief doesn't have a timeline. We don't just say fix yourself because some sins fight back. Here, God's law tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we say 2,000 pigs, 2,000 cards, $2,000, 2,000 prayers, 2,000 hours. There is no price too great to send 2,000 demons In the name of the Father, and the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Amen.